My guest today is described as an energetic hadron collider of digital media insights and entrepreneur talent. Another colleague says, not only is he an incredibly smart entrepreneur, he's also an excellent guy to work with. He's relaxed, personable, flexible, and gives direct, meaningful feedback. Well, when I first met our guest today, it was 2005, I believe, he had been drafted in as the interim CEO of software startup Iquid. Since then, he's founded several startup companies, including Xantal, Web Kitchen, the Digital Marketing Institute, the Code Institute, the Corporate Governance Institute. He's also an investor in several companies. Anthony Quigley, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. A very kind introduction. Uh, well, it's, it, it, it's all there. I, I didn't do it. You did it, not me. I, I just read it. <laughs> you you uh, mean that's what, that's what other people have said about me on LinkedIn that I wrote myself. That's it. Oh, my that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I, I was interested, actually, even just in, in going through the introduction, there is the Digital Marketing Institute, the Code Institute, the Corporate Government Institute. What's with the Institute thing? The UX Design Institute. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I, there were several others. I, I, yeah. 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 So, you know, it's interesting because I, I've, I've uh, had an interesting life so far and it's been great, but I found myself in education and I found myself in a, a, the, the intersection of education and technology using digital and online and internet technologies in particular to uh, bring education to a wider audience. So, that I, you know, I found myself there. It wasn't by design really it is now i you know i can i could fill in about a different different history but you know i came to this point and realized actually i really like this mm. it's it's a it's a good it's a good feeling um i love education actually and because of it leaves a positive footprint mm. it changes people's lives it changes people's you know where they where they live their society their family you know and now with corporate governance institute uh, we can change the way a company projects itself, acts, uh, how it how it interacts with society, how it interacts with their staff, you know, their culture, their diversity. And so what we're doing is we're leaving a positive footprint. I think it's, I, you know, I really enjoy that. Mm. Uh, you said that's where you found yourself. Mm. I'd like to go back to where you started. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up, what Er, the early years were like and and was there anything in those years that kind of left clues as to maybe this is where you'd end up i'm not sure about the clues but i can i can give you give, give you some so let's go let's go back to zero which was uh, newcastle upon tyne in in northeast of england I was you're a geordie i absolutely absolutely <laughs> nothing so, in the accent that gave that away i know i know i know i know so no, my parents were were uh, from Belfast. They immigrated. They spent uh, uh, time in England, uh, you know, in London, in Brighton, in I think Southampton. Uh, anyway, they ended up in Newcastle. My father was working for the coal board. Uh, he got a job in Dublin, and we all is that immigrated, emigrated, whatever. We came back to uh, Dublin. So when I was four, mm. so uh, hence the lack of accent, lack of Geordie accent. Um, and so I, I grew up in a, in a, oh, I better not say that, a, a South County Dublin suburb. You know, what were you going to say? Called Glenageary. It's, you know, okay. it's, it's, it's generally not really an exciting place. It's a right. suburb of Dublin, 10 or yeah. 12 miles outside. Yeah. Although now that we're in kilometers, uh, you know, we're, we're 12 to 15 kilometers. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up there. Uh, what else can I tell you? I went to school locally, so I didn't do a huge, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't massively exciting. We weren't traveling around the world. Uh, you know, he wasn't in the army. It was, he had a job and uh, we got on with a family of seven children. My wow. goodness. Um, average Irish size family in those days. Average Irish. It's probably smaller than average <laughs> in uh, those days. So, um, so then I ended up, uh, yeah, I ended up uh, going to college, emigrating to Australia for a couple of years, coming back and getting a job in Microsoft. You know, the usual kind of stuff that a mm. South County Dublin Egypt gets up to. Mm. And where, by the way, in, the, in those seven children, where do you come? Oh, I second last. So second I'm, I'm 60 years old and my younger brother is 55. And I think my older brother is 
73 or 74. Right, so there's quite a gap between you and the one above you, and then... Yeah, that, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I don't know if you've ever... Maybe he's 83, but I don't think so. Wow. I'd have to work on this one. I'll have yeah, to really yeah. have a think about this. No, no, he's yeah. 70. 70. And I'm wondering how coming... Well, you were, you were the youngest for quite a while. How that might have uh, shaped your personality. If I had been youngest. But you, you were for five years, I think. Wasn't that oh, younger yeah. than... Oh, well, I, no, all like me, I, I, had, I had five years while I had all the attention. Ah, and then okay. my younger sister came along and took it away. Ah, okay, okay. When there's five ahead of you, you get no attention. Because the parents, honestly, the parents, I would imagine, my parents, they're less uh, precious about children as, you know, as they come tumbling out. Mm. You know, the sixth one is, okay, here we go again. <laughs> okay, here's the books, here's the reading, here's the blah, 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 you know, whatever. And the kid, the older kids can look after them. Etc. Etc. So I would I would imagine there was less preciousness. So I wasn't doted upon. Certainly, I I don't recall being doted. I, I recall being slapped a couple of times, but not yeah. doted. You upon. probably weren't fretted over either, though. No, I wasn't fretted over. No, no, mm. no, no, no. And by the time you know I'm into my teens, and uh, you know I'm thinking about things that my I I might consider pushing the boundary actually the boundaries have already been pushed so you know there's an open door there anyway so yeah. you know whether it's going out for a drink or bringing mm. girls home or whatever you know simple little stuff mm. I, again I, i'm wondering if there's if there's a connection there between you've been described and i certainly would agree with it as very laid back very easy going which is what happens i guess when you're sixth yeah. child is that the, yeah yeah, you, you just you just exist amongst this <laughs> activity that's going on around you, and it's like you just take it. Yeah, there's probably that, but it's also you know to be honest, is it is it's that is all nature versus nurture stuff, mm. you know, and which mm. which has the biggest influence? I think that you're 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 probably born with a, a few essential foundation building blocks, mm. but the majority of it comes from what you do and what you bring with you. So here mm. I am, 60 year old, what have I brought with me? Well, a ton of baggage. And you know, what you do is you either shed some of that baggage mm. or you try and, you know, change the, change the, 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 uh, the components in the, mm. in the bag of tricks. Um, and mm. what you do is hopefully you get to a point where you're happy with the bag that you're carrying and mm. you're happy with your tool set and you're happy with your lot. Uh, mm. And I'm certainly very happy with my life. Mm. I'm, I'm, I, I get up every morning and I'm deliriously happy that I have something new to do and, you know, yeah. all of that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't know whether that was... Like, I came to entrepreneurship much later than, than, yeah. than other people, I think. Well, actually, maybe not. Think about it now. Please. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's get into the entrepreneurship in a moment. I wanted to... You mentioned that we all come with baggage, which is absolutely true. Mm. I'm curious to know about some of the bags that you consciously managed to put down and, and leave and move away from? Um, yeah, no, that's an interesting question because, you know, you, you, you do consciously leave things behind, but then because you're leaving them behind, do you want to talk about them? So, you know, but that isn't that the, isn't that the dichotomy there? Because... I know I used to be more stressed. Mm. So that's that's something that I I now don't do. In fact, <laughs> one of our one of our one of our staff now, in fact, one of the first guys I hired in Code Institute, Brian, he uh, we were chatting one day and he said, you know what? You just outsource your stress and you've outsourced much of it to me. But you've managed to do that. So maybe yeah. that's, I don't know whether that's an answer to your yeah. question. Is well, and, and you said to him, that's what the salary's for. That's right. Yeah, that's that's what I get the big bucks for, outsourcing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, this, the, you, you, you have that. And I remember being, I remember going through a phase of arrogance at one stage. And that's yeah. all gone. I don't have any of that. Yeah. Maybe that was a, you know, 20s and 30s, I can rule the world kind of thing. When yeah. I, and then I get to my 40s and went, ooh. There's not much ruling going on here. <laughs> mm. Mm. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, you, you, you do, I suppose. We all consciously bring things with us and leave things behind. 
you know, yeah. whether it's physical or, or, or yeah. more emotional. Well, the ones you've spoken about so far, um, as you'd experienced them, whether that's been somebody who, whose life there's some stress in it, and of course everybody has some stress in their life, yeah. and some stress is a good thing. That, and you mentioned arrogance, that requires a lot of self-awareness, first of all. But uh, I'm, I'm curious about what, where did you come to that realization that that was something that wasn't part of mm. you wanted to take forward? Well, self-realization is, 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 is something that I don't think most people, well, no, I don't, I don't know whether other people have a good awareness of themselves. I think I do of myself. But I don't think I did years ago. I do now because uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what's important to either me or the people around me or the people that I interact with. Mm. And how can I, how can I not change, but how can I improve for the better and focus on those things that make life for me and the people around me better, as mm. opposed to the things that don't and the things that make people and, and me and the people around me um, worse. And mm. it's as simple as that. It's not, it, and it's, is that self-awareness? I suppose it is, you know, but there's self-awareness in a whole range of ways, isn't there? There's self-awareness of, you know, am I, am I physically uh, not as fit as I was before and maybe I should get fitter? Um, there's a self-awareness of, you know, my, my wife goes swimming in the sea and, the, and you know, there's a whole bunch of people. I, I go to a place in Sandy called 40 foot and I don't swim. I haven't swam for years in the sea. I used to swim every single day and now I swim in the swimming pool. And what I use swimming for is an exercise. So I swim up and down and up and down. I go for a kilometer or two kilometers or whatever it is. But the sea is cold and all these guys are saying, oh, would you not get in? And, you know, it's brilliant. And I'm going, it's great no. for you. Well done. Brilliant. It's not for me. Mm. That's the end yeah. of that. You know, the, yeah. why would I entertain that? And now maybe, and maybe that's a bit of arrogant, which is, you know, why would I entertain a conversation? No, I, I do entertain a conversation and we have a laugh about it, but it's, mm. it's still, you know, I've made a decision and that's not for me. Thanks very much. And let's, you know, I'm, I'm happy with, with not getting into the sea. I know you enjoy it and it's fantastic. But you know what? 10 degrees of, of full immersion. Full immersion in water that's 10 degrees is yeah. not for me. Yeah. So it was funny, actually. I said to him, because they were talking about the water rising from 10 degrees to 10.4. And it was, you really feel it? And I went, yeah. When it gets to 27, let me know. Because that's, <laughs> the, that's the temperature of the pool. <laughs> I know. I know. Having said that, and I'm with you on the sea, by the way, even in summertime, I'm not mad about it. But I was up uh, visiting a friend of mine, uh, Vesa, is another Sander guy in in Finland, and he comes from. If you if you think of where Helsinki is down south in Finland, and you go yeah. up about three hundred kilometers and across to the Russian border, All you right. literally when you come from the airport, you, there's this fence along the side of the road, and he says that's Russia. Okay. So and he has this beautiful, beautiful home that has a leads down to this massive. The lake is not his, but it, so it's you know it's a huge, huge lake. He, but he literally, when I say he comes, he has this sauna in his back garden and you come out of it and you come out of a buck naked and it's maybe 20 meters from that into the lake. And I did that with him last summer. And I have to say it is, it's an experience. I mean, there is that initial 10 and it was 10 degrees exactly because I measured it. And uh, there is that, in it, but oh, the feeling afterwards. I don't know that I want to go through the pain again of experiencing the, the, the high, but it is, I have to say, it is, it is something else. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm in agreement. The, the people at the 40 foot are, are mad jokes. My sister is one of them. She does it Yeah, all the yeah, my missus is one of them. Yeah. Uh, come here. I, I think you, you mentioned about 40 and finding out things, and I think you were probably around that age when I met you, I think 2005, mm. when you were drafted in as interim CEO at iQuaid. Tell me about that. How did you get into that position? Because I would have thought that you're now CEO of this high potential startup. You could look at that and go, you know what? I've arrived. This is it. Um, um, maybe tell me how you got to that point, and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the, the path after that. 
it was actually how I got to that was it was started a few years before because I I founded a company called Net Results with another guy and we managed to sell that. Uh, there's a whole mad story around that because we were losing money, but the buyers were even worse financial managers than we were. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, um, so we sold that, and then I went and worked for uh, a company called Eware, and um, they were going through massive growth, and they managed to sell to CA, who were then bought by, uh, sorry, the product was bought by Sage. And I actually can't, I think it was one of the investors in iQuate. It was called eManage IT, which was a, just an awful name at the time, and uh, asked me to go in. So I spent a year there, and I enjoyed that, but it was literally a year contract. I wasn't going to, you know, it, 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 it didn't appeal to me. It wasn't a, it was a software company. It was a good company. They were, we, we kind of put it on level footing, but um, it wasn't something that I thought, looked at and said, well, this is, this is my baby and I'm enjoying it. Uh, whereas net results two years previously, uh, we sold that, that was my baby. And it was really interesting because, it, you know, it, you probably won't, you won't know to ask the question, so I'm going to give you the answer to the, the, the question, which is, it nearly killed me because the company who bought the company, who bought Net Results, managed to trash it within about three months. Uh, they decided the pricing policy was all wrong, and they went from sales of, I think we were tracking three million per year or something. You know, it was, it was small enough. Mm. Um, and... Uh, they managed to go from that to zero sales in three months, you know, something mm. like that. It was just, they, they were awful. And I was really upset because mm. I had built this and this was my mm. baby. Um, whereas we move on to iQuate and iQuate was, was just a business, a bit of software, does a job. Some companies thought it was useful, so they bought some, you know. So mm. It wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, what's the word? Um, Invested in it? Invested. I wasn't invested. Yeah. Yeah. I think that emotional investment, emotional yeah. attachment, something. Well, it sounds like it's clearly important to you to have that in order to find meaning in something. Well, it is. Even now, you know, if I if I invest in a company, I want to I won't invest in a company until I have absolutely no understanding of what they do or where they're going, even if I think they might make it. Um, there's no point. I'd like to help i'd like mm. to be of assistance um and i may only be in the small assistance or i may be in a larger assistance but let, let me be let me be involved somehow I, I i tend not to invest in companies where i'm just not involved mm. i like engagement engagement so yeah. you know later on after after i quit i think i yeah Zantal was was a was a a, a startup we tried a piece of software and it didn't work, and then I went into just some consulting. But it was it was um, it was later when I when I when I found actually what happened was way back 1995, September the fifth, 1995, in Simmons Court, hmm. four and a half thousand people went to see Bill Gates talk about the future, and myself and a guy called Anto Delaney launched. Windows 95 and Office 95 on the stage before him. So basically, we were the warm-up act. And Bill Gates then talked about the future of technology. And he talked about phones, where you'd have phones and you'd have finance on your phones and you wouldn't have cash and you'd be able to connect to the internet and learn stuff on phone. And I thought, wow. And it was all based on the internet. And I thought, the internet, that's where I'm going to that's where my future is going to be. So I left Microsoft within a year and thought I'm going to carve carve my career out of the internet, whatever, whichever way it takes me. Mm. And uh, what I didn't realize is actually it's going to take everybody <laughs> in that in that direction as well. But um, so, oh yeah, so so years later in uh, Web Kitchen, myself and Ian Dodson, um, he was more of a web builder and project manager of webs and so on and I was more the marketing guy so I was getting into digital marketing whether it be email or Google AdWords or analytics or whatever it was social media was a bit early then um, I think there was what was it called MySpace MySpace oh MySpace yeah yeah MySpace. yeah so it was like really early 
I think Facebook might have started, but it mm. it was probably called the Facebook still. Mm. Um, and there was Bebo as well, wasn't there? Bebo, yeah. So, but then, so so it was, you know, we were doing we were doing that for customers. We were an agency. We were a small, relatively small digital agency. We weren't called an, a digital agency. We were called an online agency because online was the thing. And then people started talking about digital, and then. Uh, then, so I was being I was being drafted in to give, to teach people what we knew about uh, Google AdWords and analytics. Like this was remember this was two thousand six seven five six mm. seven. Um, so we we're doing a bit of that training, and then uh, I drafted Ian in to help with the training, and he was doing that. And then we kind of both said at the same time, you know what? There might be a business in this training malarkey. Let's put together, let's see what there is, first mm. of all. So we did some research and we did all that kind of stuff. And we thought, yeah, I think there's I think there's a market here. So we launched a diploma in digital marketing. And we 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 renamed the company the Digital Marketing Institute. We we did that. You know, it wasn't it didn't all happen at the same time. Sure. But we launched a, a, a product called the Diploma in Digital Marketing. Mm. And um and uh, we started we started training on the twenty second of January, two thousand and nine. So we put together the the, the the course around late two thousand eight, started two thousand nine. We had thirteen people in the afternoon starting at two o'clock, and I think twelve starting at six. Uh, so and we ran that for maybe ten weeks. It was a ten week every Thursday or Tuesday afternoon or whatever it was. And uh, then in February we went. Ooh, that was okay. Let's do it again. And let's do it again. And we kept on going. Mm. And then we said, geez, I bet you, I bet you people want to know. So we're doing a course, you know, we do a three-hour module on, let's say, I don't know, analytics. Geez, I bet you people would pay for a whole 30 hours just on analytics. Let's try that, will we? And that worked. Let's try a whole 30 hours on Google AdWords. Okay, that worked, and we kept on going. Wow. And so so by the time I left, we'd sold, well, basically, there's a single course with loads of courses around it. We'd sold about 25,000 of them. Wow. So a lot of people, it was becoming a standard mm. digital marketing course. Still so is. how, bearing in mind you're heavily invested, and you were with that for a while, and it grew really, I mean, I remember watching it growing, growing, growing. How did you manage to let it go? So... It's interesting because we were at it for about eight years. Mm. And in some people's lives, eight years is not a long time. And in other people's lives, like myself, eight years is a phenomenal amount of time to spend in one company. And so we got to a point where actually what happened was somebody came along and they approached us and said, we'll give you some money for it. And both myself and Ian, Ian Dodson is my, my, was my business partner now, we kind of looked at each other and said, wow, there's maybe some value here. Because uh, we hadn't actually thought about it too much. Um, and so we went about, the, we, we, we then went into a, a kind of uh, a deep reclusive state where we thought, hmm, now what? Mm. So there was a few options. There was one was uh, take investment, grow it further because we were going you got to realize that we were living on vapor at that stage so we had a staff of about 70 but every second friday i was down to the bank borrowing money to pay the salaries so because we knew that we were getting another hundred grand in next week so it'd be okay next wednesday but we don't have them right now and it was just mad it was you know and that brings with it a certain amount of stress that we mm. discussed earlier um and I was able to outsource the stress to our CFO. <laughs> uh, but for three years or two and a half anyway, that went on because we grew faster than cash flow would allow. And we hadn't got any investment. And that's a learning curve in itself is yeah. how to manage that and how do you reduce costs if you're if you can't have the if you don't have the cash and how do you bring the cash in faster as opposed at the same time pay people later and so on and so forth. So it's all about cash management at that stage. So myself and Ian sat down and said, okay, let's go through the various options. The options are very simply, 
let's sell the whole thing. B, let's take investment. And as Ian said, roll the dice again for another three to five years and it might go pear-shaped, you know, it might go pear-shaped. Or part sell, which means that we're in anyway. So the cleanest, the cleanest is, I, well, actually there's two clean ones. One is, I believe this is going to go gangbusters, so let's take five million quid in and go gangbusters and we get out with billions. Or sell and walk away. Mm. That's the cleanest. So we took B, yeah. which is, let's do this. And you know what that allows? That allows you to go again. It mm. allows you. So what do we all do in life? Mm. What do we all do? We're here for, what, 70 or 80 years, and we can either... Uh, you know, we can do a whole bit. Listen, we can go in a myriad of different directions. But one of them is, and I think we all try and do this, is is you try and uh, provide for you and your family securely, mm. financially and other ways. You try and provide for your family. This allowed me to provide for my family and then do something else or do it again or whatever. And there's a number of ways of skinning that cat, but that's the way we decided to do that. Um, and it's funny, actually, because I've been, I have been criticised for, for making that decision, and I don't regret it. One iota nanosecond. Mm. Never. Mm. Because you know what? It's allowed me to go on and do other things. At yeah. the same time, you know, I, what, what I was doing it. And by the way, the, you know, referring back to net results, where I was personally really, really upset when the other company managed to trash yeah. the baby that I built. I was not, I was personally invested in Digital Marketing Institute, but not emotionally. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there's a parallel there between where you've got kids, where they grow to a certain age, mm. and as much as you love them, you're ready for them to move on. Whereas when they're younger, you don't want to, you know, you're, you, mm. you, you, you don't want to let go. You're not, you're not ready to let go. Yeah. But there is some point where you are. And, and maybe there's an evolution in businesses in the same way that you get to a point where you kind of go, do you know what? They're no longer, you said, you know, my, my, it's, like, it's like my child, but yeah. then it becomes your adult. Yeah. And you kind of go, okay, time to move on now so I can move back to an, another phase of my life. Yeah, well, there is that. There's also different dynamics, aren't there? Because there's um, personal goals, personal requirements. You know, I'm not a, uh, I don't need a hundred million euro. No, 95 is more than enough. 95 is more than enough. No, but you know what I mean? I don't, I yeah. don't strive for more yeah. and more and more all the time. I don't do yeah. that. I don't do a, you know, a Mark Zuckerberg where it has mm. to be all or nothing. It's, I, I describe myself as a, as a builder mm. and uh, the the and the analogy is a builder will build a small block of apartments, twenty apartments, dig the hole in the ground, put in the foundation, build it up, get to the first fit. That's where I get to. Mm. I'm not interested in managing and renting out the apartments and managing them for the next ten years, and you know knocking around, knocking on everybody's door and saying it'll be now five hundred quid a week or whatever mm. it is. That's not me. I'm the exciting bit, which is let's let's get something and build it and make it look really good, yeah. and now somebody else can take over and manage that. Yeah, and there's something else you said that's important as well, which is the eye on the bigger picture. Which is you said, the ultimate goal is to provide security for you and your family. Hmm. That's it. And if you can manage to find a way that achieves that, that you can also enjoy and get some meaning from, hmm. then that's it. You've got it. You've got it made. Well, that's it. That's it. But that's that. And that's, you know, that's the ultimate goal. And I'm there. Mm. I don't think a lot of people get there, unfortunately. Mm. And I, I am very fortunate that I was, uh, I found myself in a position. Now, you know, some people say, oh, you make your own luck or you're just very lucky or whatever. For whatever reason, I met a guy called Ian Dodson. We decided to try this thing. We both, along the way, we never argued about anything, by the way. Uh, in the whole time we were together, we never, we never like argued that you're doing the wrong thing or anything. But we made really hard decisions along the way, and he wasn't. He probably wouldn't have done it without me, and I wouldn't have done it without him. The interesting thing, by the way, is 
<laughs> I used to be an absolute bastard when it came to staffing and money and everything. And by the end, and he was really, no, you can't say that. You can't do that. Yeah. And by the end, we had switched roles. <laughs> and I was, so I was far more compassionate than he was. Yeah. But that's really interesting because it's my experience that it is really, really, really difficult to find a business partner you can work with. The number of stories where you hear where it's worked out, it's like it's 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 in the single digits in terms of percentage terms where it's where they ended up. Uh, yeah, in different. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Is that that the relationship survived? the ups and downs of a business. I mean, you said about the stressful situations that you have 70 people. That's that's just not 70 people you're paying every every week and every month, but they're feeding their families off it as well. And you said, you know, there's money coming in next week, but we're short, we have to go to the bank. That's incredibly stressful. And and, and, I, and I guess I suppose it, it's helpful that you have a supporting partner in that. Otherwise, if you were on your own, it might feel too lonely. And, and, and too much pressure on one individual. But on the other side, pressure can kill any relationship. Stress can yeah. kill it. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm curious, you know, other than the strength of your respective personalities, what were the kind of, how did you manage that? How did you manage those pinch points where there was some sort of a fissure in how you made decisions or how you agreed on certain things? We mainly talked. That's mm. it. You know, it's it. Uh, you know, we didn't go into week long. You know, uh, get in a hotel in Killarney and you know discuss it with everybody and have everybody's input and whiteboarded and all that kind of stuff. We just honestly, we just made fast decisions. That was for sure. Uh, you know, there was one decision. We were we were we were maybe three years in, and we were um, delivering successfully. Classroom education. So we were we were in Cork and Dublin and Belfast and London, and uh, and a couple of other places through partners. And uh, both myself and Ian walked in on whatever fourth or fifth of January in two thousand thirteen or about two thousand thirteen or twelve, and we said, "This classroom business is a load of shite. It's a nightmare to manage. It's a nightmare in costs. We're paying a fortune in in." Uh, in rent let's just we'd already started the online mm. uh, and we said let's get out of that so by march we were finished in classroom we well. got rid of the classroom we outsourced that uh, we built a content we um all the salespeople were retrained in classroom bad online good whereas the week previous it was online bad classroom good <laughs> it's funny what what demands can can do so uh this week it was uh online is the only way to go in fact we had somebody in there it was got it was funny uh sean who who he kept coming back and saying look i sold um a course to whoever and we have to deliver it in the classroom on friday week <laughs> and in the end myself and ian brought sean in he said sean you know that course you sold yeah yeah, how much? How much did you sell it for? Oh, 40 grand. Brilliant. Okay, and how much is your commission? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting 20 percent, let's say, or whatever. You know, eight grand. Brilliant. Right. Yeah. Well, you would not cancel that now, because we're not delivering it. We told you that. We said to you two months ago, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. And Sean, Sean kind of goes, Oh, really? We said that. Yeah. And now we're not doing it. So you're going to be disappointing your customer. So. Now sell them online. So he did come back with an online sale. Fair play to him. <laughs> he yeah. just switched them. But, um, but you know, you were asking about pinch points and tension, stress and so on. And yeah, there was, to be honest, I, I look back and I kind of go, were there stressful times? Ah, yeah, of course they were. But, you know, we just, there was nothing that, that we knew wasn't going to be sorted by you know, waiting till tomorrow or it'll mm. be okay on Monday mm. because we'll have the bank in or whatever, you know. And quite often it's like, it, it's actually quite often not the financial stresses that are the worst. It's it's more their personnel, you know. 
how are we going to sort this out? Because, you know, that guy over there, Paul, he's really treating people badly. And, I, you know, I'm not happy with that. That's not the kind of culture we want. So how mm. do we deal with that? So that became stressful. So, you know, the, for, for me anyway. But yeah. uh, it was funny, actually. There was a guy who was, who was like that. He was treating his staff. He was new and he was treating his staff badly. So we took him aside. And I remember myself and Ian sitting down in the office, closed the office and said, look, Bosco. His name wasn't really Bosco. <laughs> look, Bosco, you're being a bit of a prick. Mm. You may have to edit this bit out. You're being a bit of a prick. Um, you're on probation. You're here about two months. You're managing to piss everyone off. Uh, so either you pull yourself together or you're fired. So mm. how can we help you pull yourself together? Because you will be gone in a month. You're very good, but you'll be gone because we don't. That, that's the key line, though. How can we help you pull yourself together? Oh yeah, no, no. We said, look, yeah. there's management training. There's a way to deal with people, and all it takes is some energy on your part, some resources on our part, and we'll help you get there. Mm. And he got there, and he's great. He's really nice. Yeah, kudos to you as well, because well, some it could be easier sometimes just to 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 cut them loose. <laughs> there were some like that. Okay. <laughs> But you know you gotta you gotta make a decision on is this person so you know you, it's interesting because some people describe their their company as a family. I'm I'm not a family type person. I'm a team. Mm. So who's the best quarterback? Who's the best center forward? Who's the best batter? And mm. let's get them to be even better, and let's them work as a team. But. And I know this is going to sound pretty calculated and cruel, but they're not my family. Mm. They're employees, and they're and they're they're great. Mm. And we're all in in you know we're all in a in a team, but they're not my buddies. And by the way, when you when you and this took me a while, when you become a CEO, you're not their friend. You're actually not quite not their enemy, but nobody's going to tell you there's that Mary is actually taking. She seems to be taking every Friday off because she goes in the piss on Thursday. They don't tell you that, and you have to because you're the boss. You're the CEO. You're supposed to know this stuff. So you know there is a dynamic, but mm. the dynamic I I prefer to describe as a team as opposed to a family. Yeah, topic that often comes up in conversations, Anthony. Uh, particularly around leadership and, and building teams mm. is one around gender balance. And, and I wanted to ask you that question uh, because you mentioned the idea of if I want the quarterback, I want the best quarterback. How do you balance both of those competing, so, sometimes competing demands? So in terms of gender balance or in terms of... Yeah, so for example, or... uh, if, if, where does it come in, for example? Let's say you look at a situation, you went, okay, the right person for this role, this role, this role, all happen to be the same gender. But then you look at that and you kind of go, okay, well, from a company perspective, yeah. maybe that's not where we want to go. Yeah. How do you, I, I'm curious to know from your experience where yeah. that's been a consideration, have you managed it? Well, it's interesting because I don't think I'm biased either one way or the other. I don't think I'm racist because that's that's part of the diversity um, requirement. No, sorry. Diversity can include gender, race, you know, all kinds of things. Sure. Um, and I don't think that I think about it a lot. And I, and I don't mean that in a negative way as, a, as in it, I ignore it. I just don't. When I, when I, so we've just hired in corporate governments two people. It's hard enough to find people at the moment, let alone have to say, okay, we need a one-legged uh, transgender black woman from Huddersfield. Like, you know, <laughs> sorry, maybe, maybe that's completely out of bounds. But I know that some companies, now I know big American companies, they cannot even start an interview process until they get four people. Mm -hmm. Black, white, black, sorry, black woman, white woman, black man, white man. Mm -hmm. 
or you know not white and non-white like mm. that surely slows things down as an entrepreneur you don't want to slow things down so you do have to get that balance right but i don't mm. think i go out and say right uh we hired a man we now had to hire a woman we hired a white man we now had to hire so you know mm. we we hire who we can and at the time so uh so who's our current two hires uh, Brazilian dub. The previous two are Indian, Indian, I think. Mm. Yeah. So, and you know, so so in answer to the question, it's probably not. It's probably not. I don't know whether I'm answering this correctly. No, I I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm following you, and I I think it's one of those things that entrepreneurs can't simply afford to get caught up in that you if, if you're to yeah you know it's like a rocket trying to leave the earth's atmosphere trying to build a business is that you have to create this momentum before you, you 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 can really take off yeah and to do that you have to have every single advantage yeah when it comes to capability yeah and and, and that's the first and only criteria i think when you're a bigger company you have other considerations well, even in 3XE Digital, which is a conference company that uh, I used to have, we got sold out of the um, We were accused of having too many male speakers. So it was conferencing, we'd have a dozen speakers over the course of a day, and we talk about digital marketing. And as you go out looking, so the question is, as you go out looking, do you, if there's a, if there's a 70, 30 split of men, women in digital marketing at a speaker level, do you then go with that uh, percentage and ratio or do you then make a huge effort? And it was brought to our attention that, look, you guys seem to have a lot of white men speaking at this event. So that kind of triggered, well, okay, well, let's make an effort because this is very public uh, and, and, you know, we need to be seen to be doing the right thing. So we do try and do that you know and i do that try and do that in all in all businesses uh, and if i get feedback like that well then we we'll make it we'll make a choice yeah. and we'll make a we'll make a change yeah yeah no i i actually had that exact same thing myself i was called out earlier this year on the fact that the majority of my podcast guests <clears throat> were men and uh we, we made the extra effort yeah. we, we put a call out and, and it's something i'm conscious of but at the end of the day you can invite them yeah. But it's not my job to assure, ensure that there's 50-50 who agree. I can't control that. Yeah. So all I can do is invite. And uh, But in fairness, it's, uh, it's, it's worked out quite well. And I, and I do think you, you do. And it's not even just from the, 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 the just doing the right thing. I think also you genuinely get into topics that you don't necessarily get into unless unless you broaden out the experience and the demographic and the gender and uh listen gen yeah. gender diversity adds a huge amount to every aspect of every aspect of life in mm. fact i would say not just business but life you know if mm. you think about it ireland so i don't know whether this is an international audience or not but if there's an international audience they should know that 30 years ago you know or maybe 40 years ago, there was nobody who wasn't white in Ireland, except mm. for the people who went to the, uh, the um, College of Surgeons, because yeah. they came from far away, and they went to the College of Surgeons, because the College of Surgeons taught, taught people how to be surgeons, and they were uh, black and Indian and colored and mm. Arabic mm. and so on and so forth. And, and to be honest, you know, people would double, you know, double look uh, mm. when they saw a black yeah. person or an Indian person or an Arab person in Dublin, whereas now it's hugely multicultural. Mm. Um, that brings with it huge benefits, huge mm. benefits. You know, and that, and that applies in businesses and life and communities and cities. Yeah. yeah it's interesting because as well, you often heard that idea of white privilege as well. Mm. And it's funny, growing up in a rural part of Ireland in the 70s, it just doesn't make sense because there was only white. It just didn't exist. We had. It, it, no. It's funny. It's funny. People used to say, "But Ireland isn't racist," uh, and I'd say, "Well, there's nobody to be racist to." 
<laughs> well, well, we had we have travelers which we do a pretty good job of sometimes. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, but you know, again, I'm I'm conscious of some of the comments that maybe here's two white guys talking about gender diversity and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we have our experiences too. Uh, here's well, uh, co- moving on from iQuade and and the conference business. Talk to me. I'm curious about the Code Institute and and actually, do you know what? I'm I'm really fascinated by the um, the latest. What's the um, corporate governance? Corporate governance. Thank you, mm-hmm. because yeah, they both have education as the common thread. But <laughs> Code Institute, corporate government, like you couldn't get more diverse mm-hmm. topics if you tried. How did you? So, so uh, Digital Marketing Institute was going grand. And it was around about August 2014. So we'd hired in Ken, who was a who was a uh, our CEO, um, and I was becoming more working on the business than in the business. So more strategic, long term decision making as opposed to you know the day to day sales and marketing and operations. And um, I started doing some research into into first of all why why is who are we selling to and why are we selling? And the, one of the reasons is we were selling because the universities were doing such a poor job of educating marketers in digital. In fact, they were doing what I would say is an appalling job. There was no digital and all the demand was digital. So, so Facebook was emerging, Google AdWords was emerging, digital transformation wasn't it wasn't a term then but it was starting um, and so we were riding that wave and so there was a demand and the universities were, were pretty poor at providing uh, to uh, meeting that demand so I, I kind of looked at that and said well I wonder what else there is uh, what else does do universities do badly when generally what universities don't do well is things that change fast mm. primarily because they've got tenured teachers, tenured lecturers, mm. uh, you know, and so mathematics isn't going to change rapidly. Geography, history, architecture, they're not going to change rapidly. However, coding, digital, internet technologies, all that stuff changes very, very rapidly. Mm. Um, so we were riding the wave and I looked at coding and I thought, okay, well, let's, let's see, the, does coding make sense? So I started talking to uh, some of the t- big tech companies and the fact that we're in Dublin, I was able to reach out to about a dozen. And I said, if I went about producing people who had these kind of skills, so my product is that person with these skills, would you even consider talking to them? They won't have a degree or they might have a degree, but I don't know yet because I haven't started a company, blah, blah, blah. And they said, we would bite your hand off if you could get us those skills. Um, so... I looked around then and uh, there was a thing called a coding bootcamp had started. And essentially it was a three month intense learn how to code stuff. Um, was that the same thing as Coder Dojo? Well, there's a whole spectrum of, of learning abilities, capabilities, certifications, and so on. But coding, Coder Dojo is a part of that. It's, it, Coder Dojo take kids and teach them the basics, which is great by the way, but they leave them at 17. They don't go beyond the age of 17. So they learn stuff and then maybe they go into college or maybe they go mm. learn in school or wherever. Our very particular market, because I, I actually got some, uh, I, I hired a guy for a few days to explain to me what's co- what is full stack coding? What are the different languages? I don't know anything about coding. Mm. Um, what are the different languages? Who uses them? Where are the skill sets? You know, all of the, give me, give me a, you know, a quick overview and then, okay, let's have a look at the competition. Who's out there already and how are they moving and what's the shape is, the, are they growing? Are they competing? Are they in universities? So we landed on accelerated learning, which is, um, we can teach somebody how to become a coder. And we started, uh, we started teaching people in September, 2015. So it took us about a year to build. It's a huge course. It's about 600 hours long. So you do more coding. You do more coding in our coding 
a code institute course than you would probably do in four years of university. Mm. So, I, by the way, if you were to do it full time, it would probably take you nine to five, three to four months, nine to five right. every single day, three to four months. So that's how intense it is. It's a huge amount of, of learning. But that's a nice size. If somebody wanted to get into that market yeah. and be a coder, it's it's a reasonable time frame. It's not like this <clears throat> stupid four year horizon. Yeah, no, 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 it's not. It's realistic. Then what we did was I knew, so all my digital marketing institute, we'd moved everything online. So I knew there was an online uh, market for this. Uh, in order to understand the dynamics and flow, you run it in the classroom. So I ran it in the classroom for a couple of years. We put it online. And now it takes around about 12 months, 12 to 14 months for somebody. But the interesting thing is our, our, our primary market is 25 to 35 year olds who are in the wrong job. Mm. And they look over and they say, I want a bit of that coding action. So they're mm. probably a barista. They might be a tech support. They might be in a call center. They could be anywhere. Those mm. you know, people who are managers of restaurants or whatever, who come on a course. So, uh, and the interesting thing is most of them have a primary degree. 90, 95% of them already have been through college. So they've studied something, whether it's architecture or geography or mm. mathematics or science or whatever but they found themselves in a situation where they're they're looking at themselves they're five to ten years into their career and they're thinking this is not what i want to do for the rest of my life i want to try something else coding looks interesting if not exciting and you never know i might end up in google or mm. facebook or wherever um but coding is affecting everything so i'm going to change and the difference between dmi digital marketing institute and coding is Digital Marketing Institute helped people to progress their existing career. So they were most likely a marketer or they're some sort of marketer and they have marketing skills maybe in advertising, radio or TV or newspapers or whatever, but they needed to find out about digital because digital is just steamrolling ahead. Um, coding, so coding is affecting everything. It's, it's being, you know, coding, we're surrounded by things that have, have been coded. Um, but the uh, the education and certification that they go through affects their life. Mm. They are now making a change from being a barista to being a coder. So they're not going to work for Starbucks. They're going to work for Google or Intercom or Udacity or whoever it is. Mm. And they're going to change their lives completely. And that is phenomenally Interesting, for want of a better word, but it, 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 it's gratifying. It's gratifying yeah. when you see people who've done this. It's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, they, like the, one of the first guys through, uh, he so, seeked me out, sought me out, and uh, he, he said, I want to shake your hand. It's obviously pre-COVID. You want to shake your hand? And I said, why? He says, because you started this course. I borrowed money from my granny to do this course. I now work for Intercom. And you have changed my life. Mm. Oh, wow, that's yeah. that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Now that happens to me about once or twice a year that somebody says, mm. you know, by the way, I took a course that you did that you created, and now I'm this, which is, yeah. and it, that's that's a real that's heartfelt gratification for yeah. somebody, which is great. I, yeah. I, I, and and and, and that makes perfect positive footprint. Yeah, it makes we it makes perfect sense, and I'm I'm looking at it from a business perspective as well. It's it's a really easy justification to look at somebody going, you know what? I'm earning this amount. I don't like the job. I could earn this amount and enjoy it. Yeah, but I'm going to have to make a way to get there. Yeah, I'm going to have to make a step to get there. And here's my yeah. and and this is what we talk about in 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 the in the company culture. In fact, is you know how do you help people not just sell them a training course? You know, lots mm. of people can sell training courses, but how can you help somebody? And how can you help them with their, their thought process? Because there's, by the way, about half people, we have a huge, we are a sales organization, so we have a funnel. Mm. People come in the top of the funnel and they're weeded in or out or whatever, and they, they self-weed themselves, they self-select, and they get to a certain point, and then we have to really grill them and ask them, well, hold on a second, you're just about to pay us a whack of money. You're going to go on a journey for a year, we are going to be with you. We're going to help you. Uh, we're going to prod you. We're going to annoy you. 
you're going to fall behind or you're going to go ahead. We're going to be really intense because you've got projects and so on. Are you up for it? And like conversations like, so it's tonight is Wednesday night. Champions League is on. You mm -hmm. won't be watching Champions League for another two years or a year. You won't be mm -hmm. watching Champions League on Tuesday, Champions League on Wednesday, Europa on Thursday. You won't be watching Leinster. You won't be watching Ireland. You'll, you'll miss the kids for a year if you, know, if you do this. And it's going to cost you money as well. The rewards are great, but you have to be focused on the rewards and understand that and we'll help you. So yeah. th that is a life-changing thing. Yeah, that's a pretty, what we would call the investment step. In other words, are they willing and able to pay the price? Yeah. And, the, and the money is usually the easy bit. Um, money is they, always the easy bit. So help me out. The last thing I want to do, because I'm conscious of time, Anthony, is draw for me, because I get the Code Institute and I get the, the, the <laughs> jump, yeah. the jump from DMI to the yeah. Coding Institute. Yeah. One is helping people advance their existing careers. Yeah. Another one is helping people change career. Yeah. Help me with the corporate governance. So the overarching uh, idea here, by the way, for any business that I'm involved with, is that I was told years ago, get big, get niche, or get out. I'm in the middle. So I don't do here's here's you know Coursera or LinkedIn Learning or you know any of the Microsoft actually is a, mm. you know I don't have a supermarket full of courses I have mm. a course yeah sometimes it's a one trick pony but sometimes we have a number of courses but even in you know digital marketing there's a whole range of courses but they're all on digital marketing in coding we have a number of courses they're all on coding they're all on a particular type of coding so. What I'm always interested in is people who have an expertise in a particular, a particular topic can see that there's a market but don't know how to get there. Mm. Corporate governance is corporate governance is all about um, making sure you're doing the right thing for a company. Mm. Uh, the directors are, are ensuring that the company is profitable has a good culture, understands its strategy, implements it in a, in a strategic way, helps the, um, helps the CEO to, to, mm. to uh, ensure that the ops are, are in place and the finances are in place. You know, all of mm. those things. If you do that, then your staff, and you, and you have the proper processes and proper thought process and the culture in place, then your staff feel good. Mm. Your staff go away and they implement, uh, they impact society because they're, they're in better form, they're, they're uh, spending their money, that impacts a wider society, and sometimes a whole country. Mm. So take, for instance, Google, or Facebook, or LinkedIn, or any major company that we has, has an impact on us. So Facebook has a massive impact on global society. If they were to decide to change the culture of their board, then maybe the way Facebook is presented to us might change. So mm. some people think that Facebook actually accelerates and amplifies um, uh, controversial thought, shall we say, and thought that would light fires. And hence, Trump was on that. He understood mm. that. What if they were to say, we're not going to do that. We're only going to amplify positivity. So that's a, and that's a cultural decision at the top of Facebook. Now come back to any other company. Every company has a board. So can we develop a, uh, an improved mindset for each of the directors? Each of the directors is an individual, but then the individuals make up the board who then help the CEO to run the company. Take, for instance, FAI. The board was not a board. Mm. The board was a bunch of friends of John Delaney. And John Delaney was running it in whatever way he wanted. Mm. And we saw the outcomes. So what you've got now is because of a whole range of uh, reasons, not just FAI, but across the globe, there are new laws coming in to force directors to be self-aware, to be responsible, to be, uh, you know, to, to do the right thing. Be ethical. Not yeah. for themselves, not just for themselves, the board and the company, but do the right thing 
for the for society. So, um, so can we help? And I was introduced to this sector, this area, by David Duffy, my business partner, who has deep knowledge in corporate governance. And he said to me, I think there's a market for educating these people because there's you know, currently a tiny percentage of people have been educated. Can we elevate that uh, self-awareness mindset in, at board level? And how do we do it on scale? And I said, well, I've done that kind of thing on scale to scale before. So let's put together a program that makes sense. Let's make it available flex, you know, in a flexible way that you can deliver online and back to the online. Um, and let's see if we can if we can do that. Let's see if we can improve things by doing that. Now, what do we need? So, you know, we we then started building um, you know, an advisory council to help us, uh, expertise who can deliver the, you know, we're I don't know a huge amount of corporate governance. I'm learning fast, but David knows a lot. But, you know, you can't put him through a 30-hour course every week over and over again yeah. to bring in experts, expert lecturers and so on. And then, you know, you, you start building your company around, around that belief. Marvellous. really is. So there you go. So, so, it's, so you were yeah. asking, you know, it, it's, it's funny, you know, you, you were asking about what, why corporate governance? Well... Corporate governance can can have have a positive impact. It's amazing, you know. You think something is as boring as the boards of companies, but actually, you can have a really positive impact. And I yeah, no, I get it. I, I get it. A friend of mine a few years ago was talking about some advice he'd been given on 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 the t on a business to start, and he was told you either have to innovate or you have to find a business that's underserved and make it better. And he was given an example, you know, 20 years ago, say, uh, car, uh, car forecourts mm. were, they were awful, right? The, 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 the just yeah, awful, slop in terms of when you went in, if, if, if you were looking to get a tea or a coffee and they weren't lit well, all that, and of course, yeah. they, you know, the big companies, BMW, that came in and they controlled it and they made it look professional. Yeah. That was an example of something that existed, yeah. but they changed it. And it sounds to me like you were doing something similar. Yeah, there's a small number of players, and it's a bit. Um, it's I think it it's ready for a, in the tech world they call it disruption, but it's ready for a change. It's ready for mm. a facelift, and mm. we're trying to provide that facelift. Yeah, and just trying to make it easier. You know, if you think about it, education started like traditionally education. You turn up, and it's listen. You know, and I know, it's not particularly hard. All you need to do is find a somebody who understands what they're teaching, b a room in which to bring people, and c the people. Mm. So you know, and put up a sign that says "Training done here" on the on the door. <laughs> uh, now, that's changed. Now we're all digitally aware. Yeah. And now my my uh, my customer is probably in Bangladesh, or mm. Bradford, or Boston. Mm. It's certainly not going to be well. Yes, they are in Ireland, but that pie, yeah. which gets bigger, the Irish bit gets smaller, um, mm. because they're all over. And if you do training in the classroom, you're limiting yourself to Wednesday night. It's pissing rain. It's the fifth of January, and you know what? Half of the people who have paid to go in the course really don't want to go out in the car. And it's cold. It's manky. Yeah. The kids are crying. You know what? I have the solution. Yep. Stay at home. Put the kids to bed. Spend an hour online. Whenever Ooh. you want. And Love you know it. what? The lecturer is always there. You can yep. always ask the lecturer. Always there. You can't do that if you went to a smelly classroom on a Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> True. Listen. Have, you, seen, have, you, have, you, have you noticed my change from... <laughs> Classroom time, right? <laughs> I do. It's a very subtle thing, but the best sellers are always subtle. They take you on a journey without you even knowing you got started. So kudos to you for that one. Um, two very quick questions yeah. of, of, of a personal, somewhat personal nature. One, uh, your house is burning down. Your family are safe. You can only grab wood object in the house to, to take with you. What would you grab and why? The saddest thing in the world is I probably grab my phone <laughs> because that gives me access to everything. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I assume you have that backed up somewhere. Okay, 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 okay. What would I grab out of the house? 
Cheney, macaroni. Um, this is going to, this is a real dead giveaway because I'm not sure I want anything out of that. <laughs> <laughs> There's the odd book, you know, that I might revert yeah. to, but um, no, there's, you know, I don't have any, I, to be honest, I, I don't, it's funny. My wife is the sentimental one. She's, she, mm -hmm. she can't let things go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she hasn't I have, let you go yet, I mean, so that's a good thing. What's that? She hasn't let you go yet, then that's a good she thing. She hasn't let me go and I haven't let her go, but this, yeah. I, you know, there's, it, it, I'm, I'm not sentimental for things. That's the yeah. point. I, you know, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not things. You can always replace things. Yeah. But yeah. you can't replace emotions and memories and mm. all of those, all of those good things. But okay. you know, there's no like, it's amazing. I'm getting less and less interested. I, I haven't bought anything apart from being in pandemic. I haven't bought anything for a couple of years. You know. Yeah, I'm feeling really guilty now just leaving listening to you. I do. No, no, I like. I'm so unconsumer. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, I, I tell you. Well, there are two different things. One is. One is sentimentality, another is consumerism. For yeah. example, let's say you bought a bike. Well, that's 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 a thing, Ooh, okay. but you're not attached to it. So if it burns down, you'll just buy another one. Uh, okay, okay. See, the bike is in the shed, so that's okay. And yeah. my bike is a, is I have bought a bike in the last couple of months because I do go cycling, and um, I suppose yeah, I might take that. I might yeah. take that. Uh, but again, it's a thing. Yeah, they're all things. I know, I know, I know, I know. But the, you, you can be attached to things. Okay. Under, under, but I've often found that with stuff is, is once you get rid of it, you actually don't miss it after a very short no, time. You don't. It, it's actually the thought of letting it go is far I, worse than the action. When you listen, when you ask the question, I was trying to think, what would I miss of the things? Yeah. You know, if I threw, if I threw everything away, what would I miss? Mm. I, no. you know, I'd probably have, I'd probably go out and buy the same pair of jeans that I bought three times. <laughs> and if I go and buy the same shirts from the same place and the same t-shirts from the same, and the same knickers mm. from the same place, you know. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, very final question then. Okay. Uh, Take your time. There's no. A, another one question is if there, when when the time comes and you shuffle off this mortal coil, and there is a statue erected in your honor, or there's a book written about your life as an entrepreneur, what would you like the title to be? Or what would you like the statue, the plaque on the statue to say about you? Um, yeah, I don't know. He was, he was, he was an okay geezer, wasn't he? <laughs> he was an okay geezer. He did good. He left a po positive footprint. Mm -hmm. He gave a few people a job. Yeah. I like that actually. That's an interesting, well, I ask this question a lot, and you get very, the, the, you get some of them are quite similar, but others have these variances that are quite subtle but important. And what that says to me is like, you know what? So long as I leave the base tidier than I I, I found it, that's or better it. off than I found it, that's a good thing. And I like that. That that's a very that's a that that's a philosophy as well. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, says a lot. Good stuff. Listen. Anthony Quigley, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. It's actually been fascinating listening to you, uh, chock full of insight. Uh, you're a really, really interesting character, and I, I, I feel um, uh, thankful you've been my guest. It's, it's, it's interesting. Know, I know we've met before. We've talked a number of times over the years, but uh, uh, I've really enjoyed the chat. Thank you. Great. Paul Lanigan, thank you very much. I appreciate it.